What is good, everybody? Yo, welcome to the Uncensored Christian Podcast, where we help real people with real problems know the real God. Hey, if you enjoy this message, share this with your friends because the gospel is not meant to be kept to ourselves. And there is a link down below if you would like to give. Your gifts really do help this podcast reach more people all around the world. I hope you enjoy this message. I really hope I'm not the only one this has happened to. Have y'all ever experienced the once in a century completely random phenomena called finding a random bruise on your body and having no clue how it got there <laughs> like am i am i the only one have y'all ever just woke up one day or someone pointed it out that you have just a random bruise and you're like how on earth did i get a bruise this happens to me sometimes and i'll find it in the weirdest spots like like there'll be times you just find it in your armpit or like on your butt cheek or something you're like how I get this like what caused this bruise and you'll do everything in your power to try and retrace your steps to, to figure out did I bump into something like like did someone sucker punch me when I was sleeping <laughs> you'll try and retrace your steps to figure out what caused this bruise and if you're like me like you'll try like you turn into Sherlock Holmes you'll try everything you can to figure out how it happened because if you don't have an explanation for why you got this is random bruise on your body you'll have people thinking that your spouse beat you or that that you got beat up by some little kids or you got punched in the face like like people will come up with the weirdest things as to how you got this random bruise on your body but but it's funny how we try and retrace our steps because we know that we got a bruise we we see the main problem, but you don't always know what led up to it. You don't know how it got there. And so today, I want to help us retrace our steps. Not, not, not to find the bruise on our body, but I want to help us retrace our steps so we can figure out how we find ourselves in the situations that we find ourselves in. Is there anybody else out there right now? That you have found yourself in a situation. It's a situation that you wish you were not in. It's a situation that, that brings you pain and grief. You wish that you were better off in this area, but you found yourself in a problem. And you don't know how you got there. What I want to do today is help us retrace our steps. To try and figure out the things that we did that put us in the situations that we find ourselves in today. And the scripture I want to use is coming from Luke 22, verses 1 through 6. And this is highlighting the actions that led up to Judas, the, the bad disciple, the, the snitch. Like, like Judas, this is, <laughs> these are the events leading up to Judas betraying Jesus, which ultimately led to his death. So let's hop into this. Luke 22, the festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reactions. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted, and they promised to give him money, so he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. I want to highlight the fact that Judas was looking for an opportunity. He was looking for an opportunity to attack. 
And my first thought when I when I noticed this is I was thinking, oh, man, like I can give this message on how the enemy will look for an opportunity to attack us. And, and when we give our life to Christ, the enemy will just be scouting out, looking for an open a shot to take at us. He'll be looking for an opportunity to attack us. And I thought, man, this scripture here gives a great insight to what the enemy tries to do. Right. Because we always like to think that the enemy just uh, hits us when we're expecting it. Right. Like like when we know that we're vulnerable, we think that's when the enemy wants to attack us. But a lot of times the enemy will like to use the people and the things that we trust to betray us and hurt us the most. And so that's why I thought I was going to go with this. But but God showed me a different. He said, no, 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 look, look, look. This verse isn't so much about what the enemy tries to do to you. But this verse is more about what we tend to do to Jesus. Oh, see, I thought it was about how the enemy attacks us. But when you notice, it was one of Jesus's closest followers that was attacking him. And what this verse is supposed to make you reflect on is how am I like Judas Iscariot? That's hard to think about, right? Like the last thing that we want to do is paint ourselves in the same light as the man that betrayed Jesus. That's the last person that we want to, to to be known as. That's the last person that we want to draw comparisons to. But what's interesting is that when, when we hear about Judas and what he did to Jesus, we really only focus on the the main final sin of Judas, right? I mean, obviously, because the final thing that, that Judas did, what it all led up to was Jesus being betrayed and dying, unrightfully dying. But what I don't want us to miss out on is the little steps that led up to the big sinful actions that we focus on. Because what we have to understand is, is when it comes to sin, when it comes to our downfall, when it comes to the situations that we put ourselves in, it's never just a one and done deal. It's always a process. And I made the mistake of thinking so many times in my life that sin only comes in a clear, recognizable package. I always thought that sin came in a recognizable package that said, here I am. I'm about to attack you. I'm about to come at you. I always thought that I could see the enemy's attack and my downfall over the horizon. But what we're clearly seeing here is that that Judas was doing this behind Jesus's back. Judas was 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 almost like he was hunting like a lion waiting to strike. He was looking for an opportunity. But we have to realize that the enemy's attacks on us in the ways that we sin towards God aren't always in these clear, recognizable packages that show themselves before it happens. I mean, I mean, just remember, right? Because we always see the Pharisees. Every time you hear about the Pharisees in the Bible, what do you think of some evil dudes who's sinful? They the devil. They always messing with Jesus. That's what we always think. But we have to remember that at this time in their culture, the Pharisees were the good moral people of their culture. They were the priests, the religious leaders that were upholding the law of Moses. They were supposed to be the ones that were dotting their I's and crossing their T's. They were the uppity up ones. They were the ones that you see on Instagram that always looks like they could do nothing wrong. The Pharisees in this culture were the good moral people. And often, if we miss out on the fact that sin doesn't always come in a recognizable package, will let our downfalls and shortcomings continue to happen over time. Here, here, here's an example. 
How many times have y'all sinned or made a mistake or, or, or gave into temptation or do something that you just know you was not supposed to do and you feel so bad about it and you said, man, if I could just stop doing this. If I could just stop getting angry with my kids, if I could just stop getting mad at my spouse, if I could just stop talking back to my boss at work, then things would be better. Can I tell you something? That if we only focus on the thing that we think we need to stop, if we only focus on the main end of our actions, we will never change the habits of the things that lead up to them. Here's an example. How many times have some of y'all said this? If I could only just stop watching pornography, then I'll be okay. If I can just break that sin, just that one sin, then I'll be good. But when we do this, it's interesting that when we only focus on the main portion, we forget the things that lead up to it. How many, I mean, I mean, I mean, think about it. We never say, oh man, if I could just stop allowing my mind to wander, I'll be okay. If I could just stop myself uh, telling myself that it's okay if I just take a peek and it's not a big deal as long as I don't look too long, then God won't get mad at me. If we just stop telling ourselves these these lies, then we will never cut out the habits that actually lead to the sin. You say, oh man, if I could just stop drinking and driving, I'll be good. I won't have to worry about breaking no laws. I won't hurt nobody. But you never want to attack the things that lead up to it. You never want to say, oh man, if I just stop hanging around the wrong people, then I'll be good. Oh, if I just stop, you know, doing things to try and impress my friends that I know I shouldn't be doing. Oh, man, if I just stop giving into peer pressure and drinking more than what I know I can handle. See, if you don't attack the habits leading up to the main sin, you will never stop the cycle that you're in. It's like, oh, man, if I can just stop cheating on my spouse, I know I'll be good. My marriage will be better, but we never want to focus on the fact that you allow yourself to get emotionally unattached from your spouse or you allow yourself to not share the needs with your spouse and you only say negative things or or you won't allow yourself to stop leaning on that guy or that girl at work when you should be leaning on your spouse and then now you wonder why you're in the wrong bed if we don't stop the habits leading up to the main sin that we only see then we'll be stuck in the cycle forever. And let me tell you something. The enemy would love for you to only focus on the end result. The enemy would love it if you only tried to stop the end result instead of the actions that are leading up to it. But if you only focus on the end result, you can never fix the problems that caused it in the first place. Oh, now I want to point out something here. Because when Judas is about to betray Jesus, the Passover is approaching. And, and, and Luke inserts this note or this note into the scripture for a very important reason. It's not like he's just saying, oh, yeah, uh, here's the day of the week. So you kind of have an idea of when this is happening. No, he he includes the Passover for very powerful imagery. Because here's what happened on the Passover. The Passover happened. Back in Exodus, when the Israelites were still enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt and Pharaoh was killing all the newborn Hebrew boys and God was not having it. Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, nah, I'm good, homie. (laughs) They building them pyramids, dog. I want them here. And so God was not having it. He sent plagues onto Pharaoh. And one of the last actions that God took was he was going to send an angel of death is what the scripture calls it. And he was going to have that angel of death go through 
go through all the houses over through every single door and it was going to kill every newborn boy if there was not a blood from the lamb spread over their door. Let's read about it in Exodus 12, verse 12. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt for I am Lord. He is not having it. God God is not happy. But the blood on your doorsteps or the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is why this imagery is so powerful that Luke is inserting the fact that this is happening on Passover. Because on Passover, for God's people to be protected and saved, they had to use the blood of a lamb to protect them, to let them know that they are free from the judgment that God was bringing. That's the same blood that Jesus gave because Jesus is the lamb. And so when Jesus died and he shed his blood and, and we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, God sees his blood over us and we get saved from judgment. This isn't just some little note that Luke is giving to let us know what time of the month it is. This is a note that is foreshadowing what Jesus is about to do for his people. It is so beautiful and so powerful. And this is what's so funny is that Judas didn't want this to happen. The Pharisees, the devil, they did not want this to happen. They did not want Jesus to rule like he was claiming that he was going to rule. That's why they tried to betray him. That's why they tried to kill him. They thought, man, if we can just kill Jesus before he's bringing the kingdom like he say he's going to bring, because we know he's the Messiah. But if we can get rid of him now, then what he keeps prophesying will not come to pass. But see, here's the funny thing is that they had no clue that betraying Jesus and killing Jesus was actually going to fulfill his plan. They had no clue that they were helping Jesus because the plan from all along was for Jesus to die. The plan all along was for Jesus to die. Ain't that a good plan? Like, like if you about to trick somebody, if you God up in heaven and you say, okay, I'm about to bring my son, the Messiah down. He going to save everyone. He going to say he going to save everyone, but the enemy is going to try and stop it. So the enemy is going to try and kill him because he thinks, man, if I can stop Jesus, then I can stop this plan. But the enemy had no clue that the plan from all along was for them to fall into the trap and kill Jesus. This is what uh, Paul says in first Corinthians about this. It's so cool. He says this in chapter two. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, and he's talking about Jesus here, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody, (laughs) not the disciples, even though they were told about it multiple times, not the devil, not the angels, not even Judas. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody thought that for Jesus to give life, he had to accept death. Nobody thought that was going to happen. But this is what's so good about God, because God can turn evil actions into good things. God can turn what the enemy wants to use for evil into good. I love I love it cuz God played them. It was so funny cuz the whole plan 
was to reverse the curse of sin. You know, the steps that we keep falling into, the sins that we keep trying to change and the actions that lead up to them, the whole plan was to reverse that curse of sin and to unify the nations that were separated at the Tower of Babel when he scattered them across the earth and to establish his kingdom. And lastly, to save humanity. That entire plan was predicated on Jesus dying and they played right into it. I mean, can you, can you blame them though? Can you blame them for being that blind, falling into the plan that God had set? Because who would have imagined that God's great glorious plan was to send his son down to earth to simply die? Because they expected him to establish a kingdom. I mean, that's what Jesus continued to talk about. People would ask him all the time, yo, Jesus, when the kingdom coming, dog? And Jesus was like, oh, man, if only you knew, dude, (laughs) if only you knew. They thought he was going to give them a kingdom instead of getting killed. And they thought he was going to destroy their enemies instead of die for them. But Judas didn't expect for Jesus to become the lamb whose blood covered all the people for Passover. Judas didn't expect that. But Jesus did what was unforeseen so you can be seen by God. You know, the attack of the enemy was already factored into his plan. Ain't that great? I think that's good news. I think we should be happy about that, that what the enemy was going to do and all the attacks that were going to come his way. Jesus already factored that into his plan to save humanity. He already knew what was going to happen. And this is why that this is good news, because, you know, that God has already factored in the attacks that the enemy has on you into your plan. You know that God has already factored in the failures that you inevitably will have in this life. You know that God has already accounted for you yelling at your kids because you have a short temper. God has already accounted for you worshiping Instagram more than you worship God. God has already accounted for the temptation that you fall into time and time again. He's already accounted for your shortcomings into the things that he needs to overcome for your salvation and your redemption. But Judas ain't know this. Judas didn't know it. He had no clue that he was helping Jesus. Y'all want to know something interesting? Is Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces. And what that equates to today is around $4,000. I mean... I know it's hard to pay the bills sometimes. Trust me, I get it. But man, you going to sell out the king of the world for $4,000? For $4,000? For about a month's earning, you going sacri- to you you give up an entire lifetime with Jesus for a month's worth of income. I don't get it. I don't get it, y'all. But look what happens uh, a few verses later. After after Jesus already knows, obviously, that Judas is about to betray him and they sitting at the Passover meal. Look what happens in, in chapter 22, verse 21 in Luke. But here, this is Jesus speaking. But here at this table, sitting among us, a friend is the man who will betray me. You know, what's interesting about this is we already know that he's talking about Judas, right? Like, like that's the main person he's talking about because we just saw that Judas is about to betray him. But what's interesting is, is that All the disciples betrayed him. All the disciples betrayed him. You see later on in in, in the narrative of Jesus getting captured and, and about to get crucified, that when he got captured, all the disciples fled. All the disciples ran. 
And then even Peter, a few hours later, denied him three times. Hey, you know, Jesus, ain't that you with Jesus? Jesus, that dude getting killed on the cross? Nah, that, I don't know who he is, dog. Every single one of his disciples betrayed him. But he's talking about Judas, so let's, let's keep on going. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Ooh. The disciples begin to ask each other, which one of them would ever do such a thing? Can we be honest, y'all? <laughs> you know that Judas will sweat and bullet. <laughs> you know that Judas. Oh, my goodness. See, there's different theories as to why Judas betrayed Jesus. There's really no one um, consensus on why it was because it, we never get told why he betrayed Jesus. But whatever the case may be, if he didn't really know that Jesus was the Messiah, I bet he knew now. <laughs> you know, Judas sweating bullets. He thinking, oh, I'm about to have a good meal tonight. Just got myself 4K. I'm chilling with the money. And then all of a sudden, Jesus like, hey, just so y'all know, <laughs> I know you about to betray me, Judas. <laughs> you know, Judas sweating bullets right now. <laughs> He's freaking out, hoping the disciples don't find out. But see, this is what's interesting is that that you would think that a claim like this, right? You, you would think that Jesus saying this to all of his disciples would have had them messed up all night. You, you would think it would have them messed up all night long. I can just imagine if that was me sitting there and, and I, I, I wasn't Judas, but I was someone else. And Jesus was like, one of y'all is going to betray me. You sitting here like you a friend, but you're going to betray me. I'd be like, oh my, wait, what? Jesus, no, like, like I would never do that. Jesus, I'd be trying to figure out who it was like, hey, who messing with Jesus? Cause I'd be cutting ears off. I mean, I'd be swinging swords. If you going against Jesus, like, like that would just be me. But what's so funny is, is that they seem shocked by it for a second, but it's as if Jesus beforehand didn't tell them time after time after time that he was going to be given to the hands of the Roman soldiers and that they were going to crucify him. I mean, we talk about the steps leading up to a main action. Jesus was letting them know the steps that were going to happen before he ultimately got crucified. But I don't think they really understood that here. Even after Jesus said that one of them was going to betray me and that the son of man must die. I don't think they really understood what was happening. I don't think they picked up on the pieces to see the whole puzzle. Here's how I know this. Look at the very next verse. Right after they were saying, oh, which one of y'all was it? Like, who was it? Look at what happens in verse 24. Then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Are you kidding me? Jesus just said that one of y'all is a snitch and is going to betray him. And it's as if you just go down the line, hey, yo, Peter, would you do that to Jesus? Oh, no? All right, cool, man. Bet. Hey, uh, John, would, would, would you betray Jesus? No? All right, cool, man. Uh, <laughs> It's like they just went down the line and were like, hey, would you kill Jesus? Oh, you wouldn't? You wouldn't betray him? Okay, cool. Bet. Now, which one of us is the greatest? It's as if what Jesus said didn't even face them. And it, it didn't face them because they missed the step. See, they, they, they didn't realize that this moment was a crucial moment that would forever change the course of their life. And often, we miss the points in the process because we're focused on the bigger picture. And since we're focused on the, never, on the bigger picture, we never have a chance to fix what's broken before it becomes unfixable. And that was their problem. 
the disciples didn't see it. They didn't see the steps that were going to ultimately lead up to Jesus being captured and killed, which was going to change the course of their life forever. You know, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if, if we realized that most of our pains and downfalls could be avoided if we just addressed the issue at the source. Instead of trying to look at the end result of our sin and our failures, I wonder what would happen if we were able to look at the things that led up to it, to look at the little faults here and there that led up to the end result that we want to so desperately change. And if we could just one by one change the habits that lead us away from God, I wonder what type of life change we would see. I wonder how much better our walk with God would be. You know, this is what makes Jesus's ministry so powerful is that it, for Jesus, it wasn't just about the end result. Like I've said this before, but if Jesus wanted to give us salvation like he has, y'all realize he could have just came down and died. Like it would have been that simple. He could have came down, lived his life, not caused no ruckus, and then just got killed. And that would have covered our sins. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus knew that just focusing on the end result was not enough to make a full life change. Jesus knew that there were steps along the way, that there was a process that needed to be changed in our hearts so we could actually see and fulfill the end result that he came to fulfill. And Jesus went through the process of teaching and showing us that the habits that we have been acting in will not lead us to the end result that we want. And that if we change the habits the way that Jesus lived them out, then we can not only have a better life, but we can have a better and easier walk to salvation. Man, I pray, Father God, that you help us see the steps that are leading up to the situations that we find ourselves in. Lord, I pray that you help us see the faults that we continue to make and not only focus on the end result, but that we are willing to acknowledge and change the habits that lead up to them. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that you are the blood of the lamb that covers our sins. And I thank you that you didn't just come down here to die, but that you created relationship and you helped give us a guide on how we should walk throughout life. So the end result that we all so desperately want, we can achieve. In Jesus name, amen. Yo, I hope y'all enjoyed this message. I cannot wait to get back to y'all next week. We gonna have some good stuff cooking. Man, I hope y'all enjoy this. Share this with your family and your friends, and I will see y'all next time. Peace out.